Welcome to Cryptic Chronicles. In today's episode, it's going to be all about something called polyphasic sleep. It's a really strange sleeping schedule that focuses on quality of sleep over quantity of sleep, and greatly adds to one's productivity as well as hours in a day. The key is training the body and mind to almost instantly go into REM sleep. This may sound outlandish, but it's actually quite possible. I decided to go a step further and experiment with polyphasic sleep on myself, which is why I haven't released anything other than the Patreon episode in the span of a month. Sorry about that, but this whole experiment actually took a huge toll on me, and sometimes work on the podcast was just impossible. I'm back on track though, so expect consistent releases again. This topic is very interesting though, and there's tons of benefits for this weird sleeping schedule. Polyphasic sleep can extend your life and give you much more time to be up and about, but can also greatly enhance the vividness of dreams, and can even be one of the more simpler ways to learn how to lucid dream. There's more on this lucid dreaming stuff near the end of the show. Most people who attempt this though, don't last past the first three days, but to those who stubbornly keep at it, many extra hours of free time and productivity is theirs. Now bear with me because this is going to be an overview of the topic as well as a guide to accomplish it. I'm going to give you all the tools to do it yourself if you want. And if I seem out of it at the beginning of this episode, that's because I was. I was going through some pretty hardcore sleep deprivation at the time, but I wake up as the episode goes on. I'm your host, Tim Hacker, and this is Polyphasic Sleep. The whole polyphasic sleep cycle thing was first brought to my attention from a random Brightside YouTube video. It instantly intrigued me. I really didn't know it was a thing or that other type of sleep cycles even existed, and that the sleep cycle that most people have is called a monophasic one, which is actually unnatural, and wasn't really a thing until nighttime lighting became prevalent in the 1600s. This is when humans started to sleep in 8 hour blocks of time. Before this, though, people were either polyphasic or biphasic sleepers, with biphasic being the most common and natural form of sleeping throughout human history. The biphasic sleep pattern usually consisted of two different sleeps throughout the night, with a two-hour break in between, synced with the dawn and dusk. But it basically just means to have two separate sleeps throughout the day. Polyphasic sleeping, though, is when somebody has multiple sleeping sessions during the day, and greatly reducing the amount of time somebody has to spend sleeping which can greatly increase productivity as well as essentially adding extra days to every week, which is awesome. And the idea of adding extra hours to every day made me seriously look into the subject. And naturally, me being me, decided the best way to explain it to you is to actually do it. So I began my personal experiment in polyphasic sleeping. For the past month now, I've been sleeping from 12am to 4am every day, then taking three 20-minute naps. One at 9, one at 2, and then one at 7. And in all honesty, it's been a hellish nightmare that's required all of my willpower. I've been a daily meditator for quite some time now, so that kinda helped. But it was in no way easy or simple to do. But if someone can pull it off, there are a bunch of amazing benefits. I mean, as we get older, and in this busy day and age, one of the most common excuses not to do something is, I don't have time. People are pretty stressed with all the stuff on their plate and push a lot of the things that they want to do or stuff that they should do off to the side. But with polyphasic sleeping, you technically have 10 days a week compared to other people's 7. That's a lot of time to get stuff done. And it adds up too, essentially increasing someone's lifespan. Average people sleep one third of the day. And adding that up to 75 years, that's 25 years spent sleeping. With polyphasic sleeping, though, that number is greatly reduced, and someone can have way more time for stuff they never had time for before. You can get through to-do lists easily and have more time for fun stuff, like starting up old hobbies abandoned because of a busy lifestyle, or just having plenty of time for friends, family, and hobbies in general. When I get up at 4am, I first wake myself up with a shower and then plow through books, though focusing on reading became steadily more challenging as time went on. If you can do it, a polyphasic sleep cycle can steadily increase productivity and finally give you the time you wish you had to do stuff you really want to do. And if you think this is crazy, then don't worry because polyphasic sleep cycles only get crazier. There's a lot of different ones. 
The version I'm doing is called The Everyman, or a version of The Everyman, and it's the easiest one to do. There's polyphasic sleep schedules that are way more intense, and much more hardcore than what I'm doing. There's also a lot of geniuses and famous people throughout history that allegedly practice polyphasic sleep schedules. In fact, a huge number of inventors are said to have practiced it, including one of my favorite, Nikola Tesla, the brilliant inventor responsible for many everyday conveniences and technology of the modern world. He's responsible for the AC electrical current that powers all modern homes and machinery. And he was just an interesting genius dedicated to the well-being of the human race. Tesla was also on the verge of inventing something that would give free energy to the masses on a global scale, but was shut down once the corporation funding him realized that there was no profit in his invention, only the well-being of the common people. Tesla's polyphasic sleep schedule was really hardcore. He supposedly only slept two hours a night, with naps here and there. Which doesn't sound healthy at all for normal people, but he was one in a billion. The Renaissance man, Leonardo da Vinci, was another polyphasic sleeper. Allegedly. I have to say allegedly because there's no solid, documented, scholarly proof that they did. For any of these guys I'm talking about, really. So just keep that in mind. But da Vinci's polyphasic sleep schedule was hardcore too, just like Tesla's. Da Vinci's consisted of just many REM naps, though. You see, Da Vinci only slept two hours a day, too. His version is the basis of what would be called the Uberman sleep schedule, which is basically the most attempted polyphasic sleep schedule, and also the most failed. It's very brutal to attempt because there's no extended session of sleeping. The only sleep a person doing the Uberman gets is a series of 20-minute naps, to a total of six to eight times a day that add up to two to three hours of sleep a day. Yeah, and I know that sounds pretty crazy, and next to no sleep at all. And if you've never heard of polyphasic sleep before, most likely impossible to accomplish. But actually, according to some studies, about 60% of everyone's nightly sleeping session is useless. The main part of sleep humans need to survive is REM sleep. If you're unaware what that means, REM stands for rapid eye movement. And when on the Uberman schedule, you can train your body to go directly into REM sleep during every single nap. In REM sleep, your body is inactive to the point of being paralyzed, because it's during REM sleep that the mind is most active. This is when people dream, and is the most essential part of sleeping. It regulates emotion and memory, clearing out unnecessary memories and keeping what's required. It's also the peak of protein synthesis in the body, which is basically essential to being healthy and functioning correctly. Those on the Uberman train their body and mind to basically go into REM sleep the instant their head hits the pillow during their 20-minute naps. Supposedly, Leonardo da Vinci had this sleep cycle so he could stay at his work constantly. And having 20-hour days is definitely going to help people get stuff done. But, despite how fantastic it sounds, it does seem dangerous, and it kind of is. It's essential to have a healthy mind and body in order to pull it off. It does have tons of benefits, though. And it can technically add 20 years to a normal lifespan. Thomas Jefferson, the man who would become one of the early U.S. presidents and helped write the Declaration of Independence, is also reported to have an abnormal sleep schedule, apparently only sleeping four to six hours a night on a daily basis. Napoleon Bonaparte was said to be a polyphasic sleeper too. Allegedly, he would only sleep two hours a night and have 20-minute naps throughout the day, similar to the modern Uberman. And supposedly Napoleon would even take these naps if there was a battle going on around him. There's a lot of other geniuses throughout history that allegedly practiced polyphasic sleep as well. Like Winston Churchill, Thomas Edison, Salvador Dali, and Buckminster Fuller. Fuller would go on to create his own type of polyphasic sleep, called the Dymaxium sleep. Its cycle is having a 30-minute nap every five and a half hours. Time Magazine did a famous article about it after Fuller performed this schedule for about two years. This happened back in 1943. Fuller was tested by physicians, and it turned out that he had a perfectly healthy mind and body. There were no ill effects of his crazy sleep schedule. And he stated on record that he only stopped the Dymaxion because it conflicted with the schedules of his associates. This is one of the first legit documented polyphasic sleep experiments. But in order to really understand how polyphasic sleep works, you first have to understand how monophasic sleep works. 
Which is an odd thing to do because we're not used to questioning what we've been conditioned to expect, or are used to as a normal everyday thing. The normal monophasic 8-hour sleep most people have consists of 5 stages. Two transitioning stages, then two REM deep sleep phases, then one final REM stage at the end. But the refreshment and restoration of our mind and bodies is believed to only happen during REM sleep. And REM sleep only lasts about 20 minutes or so. So, to polyphasic sleep enthusiasts, there is no reason to waste time in inefficient sleep stages. From their perspective, the transitionary sleep stages are worthless. Polyphasic sleepers skip the transitionary sleep stages, making a single nap of 20 to 30 minutes seem like a full 8 hours of sleep. But the Uberman is pretty intense, which is why most people fail at it. The easiest of the polyphasic sleep schedules is the Everyman, what I'm trying. It's similar to many Latin cultures' sleep schedules, like the siesta. In places like Spain, they'll sleep six hours a night and then take an hour nap or so to even it out. The Everyman has a core extended sleep cycle with three 20-minute naps during the day. The Everyman is by far the easiest introduction to polyphasic sleeping. And if you want to give it a try, I suggest starting here. It's the safest and least soul-crushing. Trying to go straight into the Uberman or Dymaxion without any experience at alternative sleep schedules is just a recipe for disaster. And almost certain failure, unless you have somebody helping you. The Dymaxium especially is probably almost unattainable without some experience. I mentioned the inventor of the Dymaxium earlier, Buckminster Fuller. Well, Fuller called sleep a bad habit, which seems kind of extreme and unrealistic. But Fuller claimed he had never been as vigorous or awake and alert as when he was on the Dymaxium sleep schedule. And when doctors evaluated him for any negative side effects from his polyphasic sleep cycle, they concluded he was in peak health mentally and physically throughout the two-year experiment. The truth is, humans are an anomaly in nature's sleep cycles. Animals are pretty much polyphasic sleepers across the board. And depending at what stage people are at in their life, people are naturally biphasic or polyphasic sleepers. Like infants or the elderly, for example. And there's been a ton of research that proves the monophasic sleep schedule modern people subscribe to really isn't all that natural. In the book At Day's Close, Night and Time's Past, the author Roger Erkich presents over 500 pieces of evidence that proves humanity's polyphasic history. There's tons of anthropological evidence insisting that sleep was a much more fragmented activity in ancient cultures. Monophasic sleep only came around after the invention of artificial light. And modern business hours don't help either. Studies have concluded that when artificial light is removed from the life of test subjects, then they naturally fall back into a biphasic sleep pattern. So, it's strange that sleeping monophasically goes against nature itself, at least for humans. And that sleeping in two to multiple blocks is just ingrained into our DNA. In our ancient past, Anyone who slept monophasically for eight hours or more were at extreme risk of being a meal for some roaming predator, or the victim of an enemy. Even in our modern world, there's still societies around that are tribal, and don't have nearly as much technology as us. In these places, people naturally are polyphasic or biphasic. There's basically no monophasic sleeping other than modern technological societies. And modern sleeping studies say that there's no one-size-fits-all for sleeping patterns. The old eight hours of sleep at night actually isn't healthy for everyone. What's a good amount of sleep to be healthy actually varies from person to person, or what's going on in that person's life, such as health, diet, and amount of stress. The people who argue against polyphasic or biphasic sleep not only use outdated science, but don't have any of those factors in mind. They try to categorize everything into neatly defined slots, but that's just not how it works. There is no one-size-fits-all concerning sleep schedules. It's a myth. But I guess having people program for business hours is important to corporations. Look, I'm not against 8-hour monophasic sleep. Don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying that any research that puts polyphasic sleep in a negative light should be taken with a grain of salt. But in saying that, I do think that polyphasic sleep schedules could be unhealthy for the majority of people especially those who have unhealthy lifestyles or are challenged with mental health issues. So I'm not trying to demonize 8 hours of sleep or anything. Biphasic sleep may be natural to humans, but polyphasic sleep is not for everybody. 
especially with the insanity that is the Uberman or the Dimaxium. And the 8-hour monophasic sleep is the most convenient sleep schedule for the modern busy world. Many people's jobs alone make it incredibly difficult to have any type of alternative sleep schedule, much less kids, family, and friends. I mean, it would be pretty awkward to be hanging out with a, a bunch of friends and ask them to pause the movie for 20 minutes because you gotta take a nap. But studies have concluded that people not only function normally on polyphasic sleep, but thrive on it. There's just no denying that some people who have a polyphasic sleep schedule actually function better than people who sleep 8 hours a night. Skeptical researchers say it's because some people just possess a gene others don't have that allows them to need less sleep. A lot of people who supposedly have this gene are entrepreneurs, inventors, or just straight-up creative-type people in general. But from the research I've done, I don't really think that it's a gene that you either have or you don't. I think it's a gene that everybody has, it's just a matter of if it's dormant or not. The mind has a huge influence over the body. And I think it's mind over matter that may activate this gene. But that's just opinion, not fact. I base this opinion off a book called The Biology of Belief by Bruce H. Lipton. I'll leave a link to it in the show notes. The only problem is that our core beliefs are in the subconscious. And subconscious beliefs are incredibly difficult to change. It is very doable, though. So if your subconscious thinks that not having eight hours of sleep is unhealthy, then no matter what you think with your conscious mind, you're most likely on the road to failure in polyphasic sleep. There really is no objective reality, only the realities we construct in our own subjective minds, and what people subconsciously believe about their own reality manifests in their perceptions of the world, as well as the inherent capabilities of each individual person. Sadly, we're all programmed from birth to have very specific subconscious beliefs that are actually pretty detrimental to us, but they can be changed with effort. So the first bit of actually being successful at polyphasic sleep is just believing that it's possible. But the fact of the matter is, is that sleep is a relatively unknown in science. It can't be explained objectively why we sleep and how it works the way it does in the first place, or why we dream, or what dreams even are. Our minds are an anomaly, and I honestly think that the final frontier isn't out exploring space, but exploring the infinite depths of our own consciousness. A lot of modern research about polyphasic sleep comes from Peerdoxic, a.k.a. Marie. You can check out her website at peerdoxic.com. Marie has been experimenting with sleep since 2001, and is one of the first people to write about long-term polyphasic sleep schedules online. I read her book called Uber Sleep as Research, which is a compilation of all her research on the subject. She's the one who basically invented the modern Uberman and even coined the term. This was back in 1999 when she and a colleague were experimenting with polyphasic sleep. In the book, she goes over how her early intentions concerning polyphasic sleep research was to discover the effects of such a sleep cycle over long periods of time, or if it was healthy to be part of someone's permanent lifestyle. And she's been mostly on a polyphasic sleep schedule since 2008. So, out of all the experts out there, she is definitely one of the most knowledgeable on the subject. In the book, Marie explains how they use the scientific method for all their research, and basically all the in and outs of alternate sleep schedules as well as the lingo. But she does go out of her way to say more research is needed, and that her findings shouldn't be looked at as cold scientific fact, especially since polyphasic sleeping affects people differently based on a variety of different reasons. It's just that people who research the subject in the right way are few and far between. In the book, Marie goes into detail about how splitting up sleep into smaller chunks can actually train the mind and body to improve the efficiency of sleep. You can literally train yourself to go directly into REM sleep, and that it may be possible having a polyphasic sleep schedule as a default sleeping pattern is actually very beneficial to certain types of people. She may be a dedicated polyphasic sleeper for years, but even with her dedication, Marie's sleep cycles have been interrupted or even abandoned here or there over time. But this was actually good for her research, because during these times she never crashed or felt overpowering exhaustion, which means that her polyphasic sleeping schedule was not causing her to accumulate something called sleep debt, which everyone has experienced once in a while. Sleep deprivation is the opposite of fun. 
But like I said earlier, going into these polyphasic schedules is insanely difficult to achieve because our bodies are so trained for eight hours of sleep. When Marie fully adapted to the Uberman schedule, she said it was the hardest thing she ever did. She said it was even harder being in labor and giving birth to her child. So yeah, the benefits are fantastic, but it's not the easiest thing to achieve. The main thing that inspired Marie to start experimenting with sleep was her horrible sleeping problems, including insomnia, night terrors, sleepwalking, and terrifying situations of sleep paralysis. But she also had a terrible time just being able to go to sleep, as well as waking up. But polyphasic sleeping fixed all of her sleeping problems, which is a crazy side effect that basically happens to anyone who tries polyphasic sleep who has sleeping issues. After the waking nightmare that is adapting to the Uberman schedule, Marie and her colleague were up and about taking care of business 22 hours a day. But eventually after leaving college, Marie had to abandon the Uberman because it really doesn't work for someone who works a strict 9 to 5 job. So she eventually settled for the Everyman schedule, which is far less demanding. It's the one my current polyphasic sleep experiment is based on. A 3 hour core nap and 3 20 minute naps throughout the day. The adaptation for the Everyman takes way less insane effort than the Uberman. But it does take longer to fully adapt to it unlike the mere 30 days of hell it takes to adjust to the Uberman. Also, the Everyman doesn't totally eliminate tiredness or drowsiness like the Uberman does, but that also happens to monophasic sleepers too. And Marie claims that she was never as drowsy or tired on the Everyman as she was when she was an 8-hour monophasic sleeper. Marie also goes into detail about all the different ways someone can approach polyphasic sleeping as well as tips and directions on how to overcome the adaptation process. But it really just comes down to total dedication. You have to lay down for all scheduled naps during the transition. Then, of course, you have to wake up from the scheduled naps on time, because oversleeping can derail the whole process, and pretty much make it way more painful than it has to be. The most important thing, though, is to never sleep at unscheduled times, no matter what. Doing the Uberman, these rules can become a little bit more treacherous. And the most efficient way to adapt to it is actually doing it with somebody else. That way you can watch each other's backs, and make sure you're awake when you're supposed to be, and not oversleep or pass out from exhaustion. Also with a partner, you can schedule activities to do together to help keep you awake. Transitioning to the Uberman is possible to do alone, it's just more likely you're going to fail. An insane amount of alarms is also key, especially weird ones. You gotta think outside the box, like keeping a waterproof alarm in a bucket of ice water, or have your TV set to turn on really loud, or have the alarm in some sort of lockbox that requires some brain power to open. In the book, she gives a lot more examples, but you get the idea. It's important to be creative, because a phone alarm just isn't going to cut it. You see... You can get to a point of sleep deprivation that your mind will play tricks on you and basically use your body without conscious will. It's common for people transitioning to the Uberman to just turn the alarm off, or alarms, without even remembering or realizing doing so. Alarms have to be hardcore and not simple to turn off. They have to be made so you're forced to get out of bed and use your brain to silence them. The version of the Everyman I'm doing, though, is much less brutal than the Damaxium or the Uberman. You still have to follow the sleep schedule down to the letter, but it has a solid block of extended sleep time. It's not just 20-minute naps six times a day, so you're not literally a walking zombie through the transition phase, like on the Uberman. You also don't need to go all crazy on alarms doing the Everyman, but Marie still suggests that you do. I've used my phone alarm the whole time during my transition, and I honestly had a couple issues. After my core sleep on day 10, I turned off three alarms on my phone, and I have no memory of doing it. I was so pissed when I woke up, and pretty baffled that I literally didn't wake up through three alarms, while still being able to turn them off. The second issue I had was during a nap, and I just slept through my alarm. It was actually a timer, not an alarm so there was no snooze or anything. But those were the only two issues I had. So it's not as important to have intense alarms during the transition to the everyman, but it's still a good idea to do so. 
During the adaptation period, you're going to have to battle the habit-forming parts of your mind and body head-on like never before. But eventually the sleepiness will subside and all the sleep deprivation side effects will go away. Make no mistake though, sleep deprivation is brutal. And it's likely most people haven't faced something so soul-crushing. Willpower will be challenged to its very core. When starting out, I was horrified when I realized that I wouldn't be able to pound caffeine to help stay awake. This is because it screws with training your body to nap. And you're going to need to train your body to go right into sleep every time you nap in order for polyphasic sleep to work. But if you're like me and we're already a heavy coffee drinker, cutting off cold turkey isn't an option. You don't want caffeine withdrawal symptoms when battling sleep deprivation. A single cup of coffee when waking up from the core sleep on the everyman is enough. It'll keep the withdrawal away. And I did wing myself off to the point that I quit caffeine completely. Which actually feels pretty good. Without caffeine, it's a hundred times easier to train yourself to power nap. If attempting the Uberman though, it's better just to wing yourself off beforehand because you can't drink caffeine at all doing that. It's also important to eat healthy too, with little to no carbs because you don't want to eat anything that'll make you groggy or anything. Also, people who have a party lifestyle really shouldn't try polyphasic sleep because alcohol just screws up the whole process. You can be a drinker and a polyphasic sleeper, though. I'm just talking about someone that might drink consistently just to get drunk, not someone who has a beer here or there or just, like, has a glass of wine with dinner. Murray herself talks about how she's had nights out getting hammered and slept like eight hours or something, but then immediately went back to her polyphasic sleep schedule afterwards. That's somebody who has years of polyphasic sleep experience, though. So, yeah. If you are a partier, you have to transition to a healthier lifestyle before attempting polyphasic sleep. It's also very important during the transitional phase not to drive or operate any heavy machinery. Or basically just don't do anything where you're in a position if you screw up, somebody else will get hurt. People are pretty much zombies during the beginning of the transition, so it's better to just avoid anything that requires a lot of focus and is possibly dangerous. To quote the book Uber Sleep, battling sleep deprivation is like playing chess against your brain. You're up against the very survival program of your mind and body. And the brain does play tricks on people. I don't know how many times thoughts to give up or go to sleep popped into my head. Just gotta notice them for what they are and disregard negative thoughts. And as you may think, there are more possible negative side effects. Like moments of depression, anxiety, and irritability. Basically, it can make some people have a very short fuse. I didn't really have any of those side effects, but everyone's different. The whole point is just to push through it and teach your mind and body a new sleeping pattern. Gotta just not give up and defeat your programming in an epic battle of willpower. The symptoms of sleep deprivation will vanish in time. Just gotta get adjusted. This has been proven by a scientist named Dr. Stampy. So polyphasic sleeping is not about living a sleep-deprived lifestyle. Your old self will eventually come back good as new. And if anyone tells you what you're attempting is impossible, tell them this ancient Chinese proverb. One who says something is impossible should not get in the way of the one who is doing it. At first, you're most likely not going to fall asleep during your naps. That's fine, it's totally natural. It took me almost three weeks before I finally fell asleep on one of my naps. But I've had issues going to sleep and waking up my whole life. Also, I haven't taken a nap since I was a kid and haven't been able to fall asleep without some kind of sleeping aid since as long as I can remember. So I really struggled with teaching myself how to nap. But eventually I did and would go into a deep sleep almost instantly. Also, I found I would wake up slightly before the alarm went off and I would wake up with little to no drowsiness. Something I've never experienced my entire adult life. Normally, when in monophasic sleep, it would take me two hours to go to sleep and then being a groggy mess for two hours or so waking up. I've gotten crap from my family and friends my whole life over my terrible sleeping cycles. I do also have light insomnia, but it's not bad compared to real sufferers. The longest I've ever not been able to sleep is three days, and I'd only get insomnia randomly here or there. But so far, I've had zero issues getting to sleep for my four-hour core sleep. Murray also notes that while sleep deprivation is horribly brutal to endure through, 
She was unable to find any case where anyone's ever died of sleep deprivation. But there have been many cases of people dying indirectly from sleep deprivation. So like I said earlier, driving or doing anything dangerous is pretty unwise during the transitional period. The main thing to get is that according to Dr. Stampy's research, among other studies, enduring sleep deprivation is in no way permanently damaging, but it still can be hazardous. Sleep deprivation in extreme conditions can cause mental breakdown and make people have psychotic episodes. Don't worry though. With polyphasic schedules, you do sleep and it will never get to that extreme. By following the sleep schedules and the directions correctly, anyone will be just fine. And the majority of documented mental breakdowns from sleep deprivation actually come from torture sessions, which turns out to be a pretty powerful form of interrogation since the dawn of time. But during transition, it's safe to say, don't expect to be fully conscious, and mostly useless for all but the most menial tasks. When I first started, I was plowing through books I wanted to read to wake up in the morning. The first day was fine. The second day was challenging, but as time went on, I found it harder and harder to focus on the letters. I was having to reread entire paragraphs as if I'd never read them in the first place, which was pretty weird, but I didn't give up and still read. But reading seemed to just make me more tired. Originally, I just read in the dark because I have a backlit Kindle. But after reading became harder and harder, I just turned on a bunch of lights in the house to make it easier to stay awake. I'm pretty sure it helped, too. I wouldn't recommend reading as something to keep you busy during the transition stage. Maybe it was just me, but I don't think it was helping my cause. The funniest thing is I just kept on doing it anyway. When the transitioning got really bad, though, slowly one of my favorite hobbies became staring blankly out into space with my mouth agape for long periods of time. The whole transition period was a pretty trippy experience for me. To avoid the more harsh uh, feelings of sleep deprivation, it's important to keep consistency at all costs. The more screw-ups made, the more and longer one is going to suffer from sleep deprivation. And basically, the harder it's going to be on someone. Sometimes to the point where if one makes too many mistakes in their sleep schedule, it's better to just quit and try it again later after you recover. Because the sleep deprivation side effects are really going to kick in. But a lot of the physical reaction to sleep dep is also mental. It's the survival mechanism in your brain trying to push you back towards your monophasic sleep cycle you were trained your whole life to have. And the mind will play really weird tricks on you trying to get its own way. So, for example, the mind will duplicate feelings or experiences in the past that usually would lead you towards getting in your bed. With this knowledge, you can spot these things and see them for what they are. Like if you often have gone to bed because you're depressed, then expect random bouts of depression during transition. Or if you have aches that you treated by going to bed, expect to feel aches. If you've crawled into bed when cold consistently, then expect cold flashes, etc. I used to read when going to sleep, so this is probably what caused me being drowsy while reading in the morning. It's different for everyone, but it's just your mind playing tricks on you. It's just trying to coerce you into going back to your ingrained sleep cycle. Every living thing on the planet carries old genetic data with it, and that data can pop up randomly basically being activated by a countless amount of factors or environmental conditions. The human survival mechanism can be a huge contributor to this. So if during transition one gets some strange symptom that you can't rationalize or put your fingers on, it's best not to worry about it or think too much into it. You don't want to build anxiety by getting obsessed with the source and meaning of every symptom of sleep deprivation, because there's probably going to be some weird ones. You can even have bizarre symptoms like audio and visual hallucinations. And that's especially of transitioning to the Uberman schedule, which has been known to cause some pretty trippy side effects. When presented with a threat, the survival mechanism of humans can take over, mind and body. And when transitioning to a polyphasic sleep schedule, that mechanism will work against you. It won't be that easy to overcome since the survival mechanism can have complete control over your whole physiology. So during transition, expect weird stuff. Just remember that being afraid is pointless. They're just symptoms. Symptoms that will go away once adjusted to the new sleep schedule. I think it's fascinating that there's a separation between mind and consciousness. And that's really the best way to look at it when your mind starts to play tricks on you. Consistency may be key to success at adapting to a polyphasic sleep schedule. But in order to stay consistent, you gotta stay awake. In my own experience, there were times when all I could do was keep my eyes open. 
But in the book Uber Sleep, Marie does give a lot of suggestions on how to stay awake during the process. Material you use to distract yourself should be upbeat, happy, content, pleasantly nostalgic, or intellectually stimulating. Movies, video games, books, immersive activities that require the mind to focus. Marie also recommends social activities, like board games, card games, etc., as long as it's spent with friends. If you have a hobby that sucks you in, great. It's important these activities are stimulating, not passive, or else you may find yourself dozing off without even realizing it. This is especially true if transitioning to the Uberman. But it's also important not to get burnt out or bored of one thing. So after a bit, just move on to the next scheduled activity. During the night, make sure you keep bright lights on, and don't hang out anywhere too relaxing. The couch was my bane. Sitting at a desk kept me much more alert. Sitting on or hanging out on the bed is the worst idea. We're trained from birth that beds are for sleep, so you may doze off subconsciously. Invigorating smells are also good, so if you have incense, burn it up, or bust out the essential oil diffuser or air purifier with scents. Murray also gives the excellent advice of chatting people up online. This is probably what I did the most, but she talks about visiting forums, chat threads, or whatever. But social online games like MechWarrior Online helped me the most in that category, even if my skills were somewhat lacking from the sleep deprivation. But chatting with my buddies online was probably the best thing that kept the sleepiness away. At least for me. Marie also gives the advice of journaling, write goals, remind yourself why polyphasic sleep's important to you, or just basically keeping yourself motivated through writing. I also learned some tricks to staying awake solely through my own experience other than online gaming. Like, taking daily multivitamins definitely helped my brain not to feel like mush when I woke up at 4am. Music also, like fast-paced, upbeat, high-energy music helped a lot, but not as much as binaural beats. If you're not familiar with what binaural beats are, they're pure audio tones that are different each coming from separate earbuds, and nice stereo headphones are required for them to work properly. The tones interfere with one another when close in pitch, but not identical. When each tone is sent to a different ear, there isn't any physical interaction between the waves, but the brain still creates an interference inside your head. These frequencies stimulate the brain to emulate certain brain waves. These brain waves naturally change consistently throughout someone's daily life depending on various factors, and basically regulate our minds. Infralow is the least involved and least studied because it's so low and hard to detect. All the other brain waves are much more prevalent. Delta waves have a very low frequency and are deeply penetrating, kind of similar to the rhythm of a drumbeat. These waves are generated during deep meditation or dreamless sleep. It completely pauses external awareness and is supposedly the source of empathy. But delta waves are so important because it's during this stage that deep healing and regeneration are stimulated. So delta waves are very, very important after some injury. Next is theta waves, which also occur during deep meditation. Theta regulates memory, learning, and intuition. It's a dreamlike state, where imagery, imagination, and daydreaming take place. Then there's alpha waves. Alpha waves are a relaxed but focused state, and is mostly abundant when the mind is in the here and now. Alpha waves aid in overall mental coordination, calmness, mind and body integration, and bliss. It's generally associated with feeling good or just well-being, I guess. Then there's beta brainwaves. And it's beta waves that dominate our normal waking consciousness. So, out of all the brain waves, this one's the most consistent and common. Its focus is cognitive tasks dealing with the outside world. It makes us alert, attentive, helps in problem solving, judgment, decisions, and externally focused mental activity. Complex thought and sexual awareness are its forte. But beta brain waves are incredibly taxing on the brain and do cause fatigue. The last of the brain waves is gamma which is the highest frequency of all the brainwaves. Though it's the fastest and rapid brainwave, it's also the most subtle. The mind has to be quiet to access gamma waves. It's speculated gamma moderates perception and overall consciousness. People whose minds are filled with gamma waves are said to have enhanced cognition, and extremely high levels of info processing free of distractibility. But those who have consistent stressful or anxious thoughts can't really generate gamma waves very well. So there you go, those are all the different brainwaves human beings can have. There's many different levels these have that have different effects on people, but they all can pretty much be induced through binaural beats. I was actually introduced to all this stuff by Hemisync, 
which is made by the Monroe Institute, and is basically the OG of binaural beats back before they were called that, and I really haven't come across anything with a higher quality. I have like a ridiculous 80 tracks or something of Hemisync. It really helped teach me meditation about four years ago when I first started it seriously, and it actually made the learning process a whole lot faster. They're basically like training wheels for beginning meditators, but you can do a lot more with them too. Like inducing certain types of brainwaves, for example. Brainwaves that might emulate what it's like to be awake. Aha! See? I'm getting to my point. But Hemisync costs money, and not a small amount at that. Luckily, you can find free binaural beats all over YouTube, though some might have some questionable quality. I found that listening to gamma waves or beta waves really helped me fight sleep deprivation. Just make sure if you try it to only listen to gamma or beta waves though, because any of the other ones will definitely make you pass out. Overall, I gotta say binaural beats were definitely an ace in the hole for me, and if you're gonna try polyphasic sleep, you should definitely look into it. But on some days, not much seemed to be working, and I almost couldn't stop my eyes from closing on themselves. I would be playing some video games or maybe some other activity and pretty much start to nod off while awake. This is when I would turn on a cold shower and then just go hop in and out real quick. And the shock to my body was usually enough to wake me up real fast. Or I'd just go to the sink and splash water on my head, body, and clothing, and that would work too. But only if it was cold and I didn't dry off. At the worst times, hopping up and doing physical activity helped. Sometimes I'd just jump around like an idiot or play wrestle with my dog, but lifting weights helped as well. I'm sure anyone who attempts to transition to polyphasic sleep can come up with their own little quirks and tricks to stay awake. So experimentation is a good thing, and don't feel like you gotta stick to any established techniques. Marie gives a list of common symptoms in the book, which really helped in sorting out what not to worry about, and to just be aware if or when they appear. A feeling of helplessness is common, as well as, obviously, a desire to give up and go to bed from despair. You can get a weakened immune system, Dry mouth, so stay hydrated. Dry eyes, blurry vision, bad balance, chills, body aches, nausea, anomalous sensations, headaches, dizziness, confusion, and auditory or visual hallucinations. Most of these symptoms will be more typical when adapting to the uberman over the everyman, but no matter what someone's doing, all these symptoms will go away after adaptation. Some people don't even experience severe symptoms of sleep deprivation. One thing that did happen a bunch of times for me was it felt like my brain had swollen or something. It wasn't quite a headache because it really wasn't painful. My brain just felt thick, I guess, for the lack of a better word. And my cognitive functions didn't work nearly as good as they normally do. The key was remembering they were just symptoms and not worth getting worked up about. You're up against your body's very survival mechanism during transition and it desperately wants its old program schedule back. I mostly just gritted my teeth and ignored the symptoms, but from other people's accounts, I kinda had some mild symptoms, I guess. Still as brutal as hell, though. But I'm just doing the everyman. Transitioning to the uberman is way harder. From everything I've read, the six 20-minute naps a day uberman has far more prevalent symptoms, though the transitional period is much faster. I think the mental symptoms are probably gonna be the most challenging for people unless they have experience in meditation, but the whole mind war against yourself is the real challenge. It's easy to forget that the feeling of wanting to give up itself is a symptom, and as the days progress, your bed looks more and more inviting to you, or you tell yourself, just five more minutes of sleep, and hit the snooze button, and everything's wrecked. Consistency is key to adapting to a polyphasic sleep schedule, so it's important to constantly stay aware of what's going on with you and remain vigilant. I had to constantly keep on reminding myself that all the symptoms were just symptoms, but the temptation to give up was pretty prevalent after the first three days. Gotta stay calm though, because anxiety will just make the symptoms worse. The brain's gonna do everything it can to try and stop the transition. It only wants to go back to its old program sleep schedule. But no matter what types of tricks it tries to pull, you just gotta stay on schedule. The mind and body will adapt eventually and the survival mechanisms keeping you in your old sleep programming will fade completely. Humans are incredibly adaptable creatures. We've survived insane challenges of survival throughout our development, so we should really never underestimate our highly adaptable bodies. We've survived ice ages, cataclysms, and countless monstrosities of nature that only saw us as a meal. 
and all that with no technology. So if you respond to sleep deprivation by sleeping extra or not following your schedule during transition, then you're basically telling your brain that it doesn't have to adapt to the new polyphasic sleep schedule, and that screwing with you works to get what it wants. So every time you give in or don't follow the schedule, the brain translates it that it should just keep messing with you, which will make all the symptoms of sleep deprivation even worse. And this will basically accumulate every time. Luckily, I only screwed up twice, but I did notice the symptoms I had got stronger. I didn't give up despite this, but honestly, if someone screws up too many times, it's best just to give up and try again after recovery. That is, unless they enjoy a living hell. So just keep your mind and body busy when sleep depth crops up. When it passes, you'll get your second wind and have more energy. And a good rule of thumb is that when in doubt, hop in and out of a cold shower. Honestly though, just slapping myself in the face really helped out once in a while too. And if you're starting to feel narcoleptic, just uh, get up and don't stop moving. Just walk in circles around the perimeter of your house if you have to. I've read that watching scary movies can help too, but I don't really suggest it because it could cause anxiety. Eventually, signs that the adaptation is working will creep up. I've never been able to fall asleep so quickly my entire life. Or wake up so quickly for that matter. And the naps feel like a very deep, refreshing sleep. One of the craziest things that happened for me, though, was when I started this experiment, I stopped remembering my dreams clearly. I've kept a dream journal for years and normally have very vivid dreams. So that was pretty unusual for me. But actually, one of the signs that you're adapting is when your dreams come back. Or if someone who never really remembered their dreams in the past, expect to recall them from now on. It's a clear sign that the adaptation process is working. Another sign is that all the fatigue goes away. No more yawning, moaning, or depleted mental clarity. Other than right before nap time or the core sleep, of course. But basically, when the sleep deprivation symptoms go away, you know you won the battle. And then after that, if you want, you can change your sleeping schedule around, but not before full adaptation. But during the transition period, there are some behaviors detrimental to the process. I already mentioned to eat healthy and have light food, but eating before a nap or your core sleep can actually screw with it. It takes a lot of energy for your body to digest food, so when you're sleeping, it can kind of throw a wrench into the gears, I guess. The sleep will lose its quality. So a good tip is to eat when waking up from your core sleep, or naps, or eat in the middle between rest periods. Never eating when close to nap time will assist in getting to sleep fast and increase the quality of the nap. Caffeine can screw with you too, as I've already mentioned. So either wing yourself off before attempting polyphasic sleep, or just have one single cup in the morning after your core sleep. If you're doing the Uberman, Dymaxion, or Tesla, then you're definitely going to want to quit caffeine first because it's just going to sabotage those. Also, a quality sleeping environment is pretty essential during the adaptation, but can be more random later. A dark room with no noise or distractions is required at the beginning, though. And a sleep mask and earbuds are pretty vital if napping away from the normal sleeping spot. Also, the hour before a nap or core sleep shouldn't be physically intensive, so working out just before nap time is a no-no. Being too wound up or stressed out can screw with sleep too, so if you have to, it's best to do something relaxing or calming before attempting to nap. Napping in your bed is a bad idea too, because we're all programmed from birth to hibernate in our beds, so it can be subconsciously self-sabotaging. Best to nap on the couch or some other comfy spot until the transition phase is over. But if you don't give up and win the battle against your mind, your only problem with time is going to be boredom. Because after adapting through the transition, you're going to have all the time in the world. Living 20-hour days like on the Uberman greatly expand one's lifetime. And technically, you're going to be far more experienced and productive as your peers still program for monophasic sleep. If on the Uberman, Dymaxion, or Tesla, that's being awake a ridiculous 22 hours a day. Think about all the things you could accomplish. Not to mention willpower will be greatly increased, leading towards little being able to stop one in pursuing their goals. But no matter how dedicated a polyphasic sleeper may be, stuff's going to throw them off course once in a while. And no matter how efficient people are at scheduling, that schedule is eventually, inevitably going to be interrupted. There are times to throw a polyphasic schedule out the window. Getting sick is one of those times. The body heals best during extended sleep sessions. 
So polyphasic sleeping is really only beneficial to healthy people. It's better to just sleep for as long as your body will allow, however long it has to take to get better. Since the mind and body have already been trained for polyphasic sleeping, it's going to be way easier to get back into. So it's not too bad to ditch your polyphasic sleep schedule because you can actually go back into it quite easily. It's only the first hurdle of adapting yourself to it that's the real issue and the real challenge. If it's a light cold or nothing too bad though, sticking to the polyphasic schedule is just fine. But if having to drop the polyphasic sleep seems necessary, then taking your naps while still off it will help keep your body programmed for polyphasic sleep. Readjusting back is pretty painless after you've already done it. The worst is if you get sick while adapting to polyphasic sleep. And if that happens, it's best just to quit and start again in a month or so when you're better. Also, if you're hurt physically, it's better to just go back to 8 hours of sleep because you're going to heal way faster that way. So basically the golden rule is if you feel crappy or are hurt or sick in any way, it's best to stop the polyphasic sleeping. You can always come back to it later. Traveling or going on group activities can also be problematic, but it's not that big of a deal. If you can, just bring an eye mask and some earplugs. But if you literally can't sleep because of the environment, still lay down for the naps. It's an excellent way to keep the schedule still going, even if sleep is impossible. There's many more ways a polyphasic sleep schedule can be interrupted. But if clever and resourceful, I guess it's never a big deal, but if you have to, just skip a nap and make up for it later with an extra one. My point is just that it's not the end of the world if it does get interrupted, and don't feel like you have to inconvenience other people with your lifestyle. It's only during the adaptation period that it's like really hardcore that you gotta be strict about your schedule. Once a habit is formed, it's always easier to slide back into it and polyphasic sleep is no exception. So once the adaptation period has been successfully conquered, then for the rest of one's life, it'll be much easier to transition between all the different sleep schedules, biphasic, monophasic, or polyphasic. And if naps or core sleep are ever interrupted, you can just throw in an extra nap to fix that problem. The coolest thing about this is these 20 minute naps will leave you fully rejuvenated, just like a full night's sleep. Athletes who want to try polyphasic sleep should expect a drop in their performance at least during transition. It's not necessary to stop doing athletic stuff, but it's important to take it easy for 30 days or so. I said earlier I lifted weights to help stay awake, but I'm also a regular jogger, and after jogging with my girlfriend a handful of times, I definitely felt it. I was slower and my endurance was much easier to exhaust. So one shouldn't push themselves too hard physically when adapting to a polyphasic sleep schedule. I mean, it can be done, but you just gotta take it easy and always stay hydrated and fed to avoid passing out, something that can happen. On days of really high physical exertion, if on the everyman, just change the core sleep to 6 hours instead of 4, and on the uberman, just add a couple more naps. That should be enough to recover. You might be wondering if there's any long-term side effects for polyphasic sleeping. The first thing I was wondering before attempting this was, is there any long-term effects? But from Mary's research, among many other polyphasic sleepers documenting their experience, no, there isn't. It's really easy to switch back to a monophasic sleep schedule, just like how you were before, with basically no difference whatsoever. And any sort of damage that comes from polyphasic sleep comes from not adjusting safely or not being healthy in mind and body in the first place. So it's incredibly important not to do dangerous stuff like driving, etc. during the transitional period, as well as not attempting it if one has an unhealthy lifestyle. There are a few extended side effects that have happened to people though, like weight gain or weight loss. Having 20 hour days apparently messes with people's eating cycles, but this side effect hasn't happened to me and isn't very common. Another side effect is dry or sore eyes. There's a few theories to this, but the main one is that your eyes are simply open longer than they've been used to. They're not getting as much rest, and it really only affects people who look at screens for too long, either TVs or computers. I stare at screens like a lot though, and I haven't had this side effect. The last extended side effects are sore muscles or body aches. This just comes from being more active with many more hours in a day than other people. But it does go away pretty quick, your muscles adapt and whatnot. And this side effect too I haven't experienced. So all these side effects aren't very common, but I'm just giving you a heads up. I said earlier that when I first began my polyphasic sleep experiment, I stopped remembering my dreams. Well, this is actually common during the transitional period. 
which may last a while. This happens because the body's learning how to go into REM sleep quickly during naps, as well as just getting used to the core sleep if on the everyman. And when dreams eventually come back, it's an excellent sign that adjusting to the polyphasic sleep schedule was successful. Polyphasic sleepers across the board will experience much more vivid dreams and incredible recall. This can actually be pretty trippy to people, because dreams don't seem any shorter on a 20-minute nap as they do during a whole 8-hour night's sleep. Time works differently in dreams, and a dream during a 20-minute nap can seem like hours. And if someone isn't used to remembering their dreams, it can be pretty profound at first. There's actually a lot of accounts of polyphasic sleepers who have had ridiculously long dreams. Dreams where they just went down for their 20-minute nap, but the dreams seem to last a month or more. Which seems ridiculous, but I have had naps where the 20 minutes seemed like an hour or so. In the dream world. The point is that polyphasic sleepers have much more frequent and vividly intense dreams compared to 8-hour monophasic sleepers. And with all these frequent and vivid dreams, it makes the ability to lucid dream way easier. I assume you know what lucid dreaming is, but just in case, I'll give a quick overview if there's anyone listening who doesn't know. Lucid dreams are when the dreamer becomes aware that they're dreaming within their dream. And during a lucid dream, the dreamer can actually have an influence over the dream's narrative, the environment, and even the people within it. There's some pretty crazy things people can do in a lucid dream. You can basically live an entire separate life where you can be pretty much a demigod of your own dream world. It's not an easy thing to do, though, and requires a lot of knowledge on the subject as well as dedicated practice on teaching yourself how to do it. I'm not going to lie, it can be pretty rough to get into, but polyphasic sleeping is a much easier way to achieve it. Being able to go into REM sleep immediately is very beneficial to lucid dreaming. And the short spans of sleeping allow a much greater recall than would be normally possible with an 8-hour sleep cycle. It's basically just much more easy to wake up in your dream. The Uberman especially gives 6 different REM naps to lucid dream. Studies have shown that people who can lucid dream show increased activity in the parietal lobes when dreaming, compared to those who can't lucid dream. And that's the part of the brain responsible for understanding sensory information, and knowing how to interact with objects. So, belief isn't required. Even according to science, lucid dreaming is a real thing. And there's actually a lot of incredible benefits to lucid dreaming. If someone suffers from constant nightmares, it's a fantastic way to either reduce them or stop them altogether. It also greatly helps in creativity since you can basically create whatever you want and even practice things. With lucid dreaming, people can remove fears, phobias, or unconscious blocks. You can actually even communicate with your subconscious, which is a great way to get rid of bad programming. Studies have shown skills practiced while lucid dreaming actually come over with you back into the waking world. So it's also a great way to get better at things and train or study while you're sleeping. It's possible to fly, go on crazy psychedelic adventures, or even experience sexual encounters with anyone you choose in any way you choose. Studies have also shown that lucid dreamers have way better problem-solving skills than non-lucid dreamers. In fact, many studies have shown that lucid dreamers are just plain better at cognitive tasks. The most important thing to do to begin lucid dreaming is to program it into your mind that dreams matter, and to commit yourself to a daily logging of any dreams you do recall. I do mean daily, too. Even if what you write down in the dream journal is just nothing or can't remember, but even the most slightest details or images must be written down. This is conditioning the subconscious to not store those memories away from the conscious mind. However, for some, this may take a long time, so just stick to it and remain dedicated. You will 100% be able to remember your dreams steadily clearer if you just don't give up. I've ran into a lot of people who claim that they don't dream, but that's actually nonsense. Everyone dreams many times every night. It just takes effort to have a conscious relationship with them. And polyphasic sleep is an excellent way to have a closer relationship with your dreams and lucid dream. As Marie says in her book Ubersleep, and I quote, Challenging your perception of how something you took for granted really impacts you is part of the self-discovery process. End quote. Marie also goes into some psychological and social effects in her book. Most are neutral, but there are some positive and possible negative ones as well. 
But like I said earlier, the negative ones only happen if one trying polyphasic sleep is mentally or physically unhealthy. And just like sleep, it's going to influence everyone in their own unique way. It may trip some people out when they learn that time is much more malleable than would be thought, and fully occurs in our own minds, just like it does to all living creatures on the planet. For example, humans look like they're permanently in slow motion to flies, and though flies have very short lifespans compared to us, to them their lives are incredibly longer and kind of similar to humans in how long they seem to last. Their perception of time is just drastically different than humans. To them, they live long lives. But to us, it's only the blink of an eye. Another example is if there's two twins and one decides to become an astronaut. If that twin spends a lot of time in space, that twin's age will actually be altered compared to the siblings when they return. Because time flows slower in space. It also explains why time flies by when you're having fun, but slows down to a snail's crawl when you're doing something tedious. The time gained from polyphasic sleep schedules seems way longer than it actually is. And it definitely happened to me because days seemed way longer than they did before. The Uberman especially has a pronounced form of this side effect. It can make it difficult to keep track of what day it is. Luckily, I keep a daily journal, so it's not a big deal to me. But for one thing, naps seem to be way longer than 20 minutes. I woke up a couple times from naps where it seemed like an hour. And I got freaked out that I overslept. But no, it was only 20 minutes. Those doing the Uberman or Dymaxium can get time particularly blown out of normality. Days can meld together to the point 6am and 6pm are hard to distinguish naturally, which requires a watch or a cell phone to figure out what it actually is for them. People are used to being comatose for 8-10 to 10 hours of night, so going from that to being mostly awake throughout your daily life can be discombobulating. It's not necessarily a bad thing, it just takes some getting used to. Another strange psychological side effect associated with the Uberman is a consistent feeling of euphoria, but this also occurs in other polyphasic sleep schedules too. It's a state of heightened clarity and calm easygoingness, I guess. Once fully adapted, the state of euphoria comes and goes, but basically everyone who's documented experiencing the adaptation to the Uberman or the Dymaxium or the Tesla said they experienced this euphoria. If you do end up attempting polyphasic sleep, just remember that switching back to a monophasic schedule actually isn't too hard. Sleep deprivation side effects will happen for a couple of days because your mind and body have to readjust, but it's nothing that's too big of a deal. Humans are incredibly programmable beings, so adapting back and forth is perfectly natural as long as the body has time to recuperate. Marie in her book Ubersleep even says that a polyphasic sleep schedule can be a default setting, meaning a permanent adaptation. It's just a matter of how long it's been taken on and persisted in. But polyphasic sleep does affect everybody differently. Still, there are people who seem predisposed to excel at a polyphasic lifestyle. Like I said earlier, some scientists think there's a gene for people that allow polyphasic sleep to come easy, though I think it has more to do with what the book Biology of Belief says, in that subconscious and conscious beliefs dictate those kinds of things. In fact, I'll, I'll leave a link to Biology of Belief in the show notes because it's an excellent read. Okay, that's all for polyphasic sleep. I gotta say it was pretty brutal to accomplish, but I found the experience profound and worth it overall. For as long as I can remember, I've needed some kind of sleep aid to fall asleep, you know, like melatonin or something. And even then it could take me an hour or two to finally pass out. But now, I can go into quality sleep almost instantly. I also used to never be able to nap, but now I can really easily. If you have sleeping issues or are just curious, I definitely recommend polyphasic sleeping just for the experience. Also, you should do more research. I did a ton, but Marie's book, Uber Sleep, was probably my favorite. I also just love her personality. It really comes out in her writing. I'll leave a link to it in the show notes as well as all the other books I talked about in this episode. You can also just visit our site at puredoxic.com. Tons more information on the subject there. And I look forward to keeping up with Marie's research at the site, as well as all the other polyphasic sleepers who post there. Dreams and sleep in general have always been fascinating topics for me. So even though this episode was a pain to make, I really enjoyed it anyway. And if you liked it, please go to crypticchroniclespodcast.com and support us on Patreon through the Chronicler's Vault. 
so you can get bonus episodes. There's a link there. Or give us a good review on iTunes. And remember, feedback is always welcome, so don't ever hesitate to email us. And please follow the show on social media. I think the Facebook page is almost up to 200 likes, which is awesome. It's really appreciated. I'm your host, Tim Hacker, and I'm going to go take a nap.